The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Namaste. Welcome to the Conscious Combo Podcast. I am your host and teacher, Pippa Leslie. I'm here to share everything I learn, see, and channel. This podcast is for the conscious and curious beings who are ready to dive deeper into spirituality. I am so grateful you are here. Hi guys, welcome back. So today I'm really excited to be joined by Kev O'Neill, who is a breath coach. Now, before I let him speak, Kev was a big part of my spiritual journey. He helped me get into breath work. Uh, it was 2021, I think it was. We did a breath work session and a bit of cold water therapy, which oh, blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. And I know a lot of you are doing breath work and you're doing cold water therapy. It seems to be huge right now. It's everywhere. It's going on everywhere. But I think I wanted to bring Kev on today to kind of talk a little bit behind the scenes of what's going on with this, because I think these new trends come in, don't they, Kev? And everyone goes crazy about them. But actually, you know, you've got to do some work around it as well. It's not just go for a cold water therapy and have breath work and you're fixed, you know. So I think it is something that people are just kind of trying and they're enjoying. But there's so much behind it, isn't there? So hi, Kev. Hi, Ben. It's lovely to see you. Thanks so you much too. for having me on. You're so welcome. I'm so excited. People are going to love this episode. I just know they are. I know we've briefly just been chatting before we started, and there's so much we want to talk about. But first off, I just want you to kind of tell the listeners how you got into breath work and what it's done for your life. Well, uh, I first got into breath work around about the third trimester with my mum. Um, and I was practicing to breathe before I came out, which is why you can feel feel hiccuping in your tummy sometimes when you've got a baby. And then I took my first breath in 1976, and I've been doing it ever since, breath work. And that's what breath work is. Mm-hmm. It's the working of your respiratory system. And it's, it's, it's fashionable at the moment. I'm a, like you mentioned, I'm a breath coach, a respiratory health coach. And I'm working with, with people that have got asthma, COPD, long COVID, uh, anxiety, panic disorder, claustrophobia, uh, autonomic dysfunction through chronic hyperventilation, um, people with all sorts of ailments, cancer. Um, and I'm also working with people who have suffered from trauma and PTSD uh, and just life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and your breath is intrinsically sort of connected to everything that you've ever been through from your first gasp, your first breath that you take when you're born to the very, very last exhale that you let go of before you finish. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. It's an important thing, isn't it? I think we forget like we're breathing consistently every day and we don't realise that. You know, that's one thing that it taught me breath work was to be grateful for, you know, your lungs and your heart because it just beats for you. And there's so much spirituality behind it, too. But I think scientifically, you know, people are, you know, it's said that people breathe wrong. <laughs> we all breathe wrong and we all don't take more conscious breaths. 
And I, I, I do know from, you know, from trying breath work over the last year, especially here in New Zealand, is every time I do breath work, I know we want to talk about this word release, but every time I do breath work, I feel like something in my body happens. So whether it's like you mentioned, it's a chemical thing going on or it's a nervous system thing going on, you know more about this than me, but I just feel whenever I do breath work, I lay down, I start doing the deep breaths in and out and I I start crying. My body just feels the tingling. I feel like something is happening within my body. So can you, can you explain that? Uh, We get a beautiful word uh, happen, happening. You know, that's something that, something that happens in the body. That's probably the best way I've I've Mm -hmm. heard it described. Yeah. It's a happening. It's not necessarily a release. And I think we met, we, we spoke about that briefly, didn't we? And yeah. There's a lot of facilitators out there that are banding the word around release. In yeah. Terms of trauma. What we have to understand is here is that trauma is stored in the body for very specific reasons. And I think everybody's witnessed trauma at some point. I think in terms of how the organism responds to birth, yeah. everybody experiences trauma. It's traumatic to be forced through a narrow canal after being in nine months in the most safest, warmest, most comfortable place that you can ever be in, that you ever will be in before as an organism you can pass. So everybody's been through trauma. So people are saying, well, come to do some breath work, release your traumas, uh, which is kind of selling, um, but it's, it's not entirely accurate because you cannot really release or let go of forever something that is instinctively keeping you alive yeah and that's your autonomic response to sort of get you from vulnerability back to safety and it's been doing that since you were born so if you're in in terms of this parasympathetic nervous system this rest and digest safety that we have and then we have the sympathetic nervous system fight flight freeze danger fear we're we're nine months in safety uh, in fact, it's, it's the most, like I say, it's the most safest place you'll ever be. For nine months, the organism had to sort of live in that environment for nine months. That's a long time. And then all of a sudden, at the end of that nine months, you're forced to a narrow canal. If your mum's hyperventilated, which happens a lot of the time, um, you're, you're struggling for oxygen because of, you know, sometimes because of the bore effects and because mum's hyperventilating, you're yeah. getting less oxygen. So, you come, you come out, you're cold, you're frightened, and you gasp mm. for the first time. And there are breathing centers in the brain, one of them being the free boxing complex, uh, the medulla, the amygdala, witnessing your breathing. And it recognizes that breathing through the mouth there is making you vulnerable or it's connected to fear, the fear response, vulnerability. And then all the way through your life then, it will it will carry on a suit to, to get you back to safety. It will <laughs> yeah. to breathe through the mouth, which is why panic attacks <clears throat> look like that. They're <laughs> through the yeah. mouth. When we're crying, when we're upset, we're vulnerable. We <laughs> yeah. The sharp breaths in through the mouth uh, and yeah, your body is watching you. In terms of the body keeps the score, the book, the amazing book by Bessel van der Kolk. I've got and that on the bookshelf. I need to read it. <laughs> please, please, please read it. If you read that book, you'll understand why you keep having these happenings when you're breathing, because it will explain to you why that's happening. Mm-hmm. It's because of your body's, the, the organism's amazing ability to go back into the past of everything that it's recorded through your life, to use whatever it is that makes you most frightened to get you back to safety. Or yeah. in this case, to get you to stop hyperventilating. Big explanation there. Well, I just remember, I just remember when you talked about the, the shallow breaths uh, when you're anxious. Because I remember before the, the wedding, la- you know, last year towards like October, November, I was having the heart flutters, uh, the the shallow breathing, you know, that that deep feeling in the tummy, and I just knew it was anxiety, and I was wondering what it was, and I just knew that anxiety was creeping in because of different stresses that were happening in my life, and you know, the stress of the wedding coming up and everything, you know, that was, you know, life can happen. And I just remember thinking breath is going to be the thing that helps me through this. But I just think back to when I first did the breath work session with you in 2021, 
I just remember like, you know, you teaching us about when you when you get in the cold water, it wants you to go into that shock. <laughs> you know, when you get in the cold water. And I remember like, you know, doing the breath work with you. That was the first experience I've ever done with breath work. And I, I, I left my body. I completely left my body. And this is spiritually. I remember being in nature. It was a nice spring day. I think it was. It was like May or June. And I remember I knew my body was doing the breath work. But my, I feel like my soul was over in the trees, just looking at the trees and enjoying this, you know, enjoying nature. And I just remember when you told us we, we'd held our breath for like two minutes. And I was like, what? And I just and everything kind of started to come back because I did scuba diving. And I remember the, the diving instructor saying, you know, you know, uh, start to practice breath work when you can. I never did. You know, I never did. Cause it was my early 20s. And I was like, oh, whatever. But if I don't practice breath work. I could have, you know, got a lot more out of my tank, you know, when I was doing my diving. But I just remember hitting that cold water. And what was that water, Kev? About six degrees? Um, it would have been a little bit warmer than that at that time of year. Maybe sort of, maybe sort of eight degrees. Yeah, but still then, cold. Yeah. But still possibly cold. Anything lower than 20 degrees is cold water. Yeah. If you look, go to um, Susanna Solberg on Instagram. She, she, she explains a lot about... Um, how your body reacts to the cold, cold yeah. water, cold water therapy. Um, like I say, there's a bit of a craze about it at the moment. I don't personally get people to breathe and hold their breath like that anymore. No. Or for safety reasons, I don't. And for also, uh, for reasons that it's not really necessary yeah. to understand what your body is doing or to connect mind to body. Yeah. So I got people to do it there because it was quite dynamic yeah. in terms of, in terms of, what it you know what it gave you on the day and what it gave my clients on the day mm-hmm. and it, it worked and the, the, on a couple of occasions a week I'll still do hyperventilation techniques but not to that kind of level yeah the reason why is because as a butaco breathing instructor uh, and I'll talk if I can a little bit about butaco yeah of course yeah so I'm registered with a guy called Patrick McKeown in Ireland as one of his uh, breathwork instructors, one of his Buteco instructors, uh, and I'll be going over to Ireland in February doing my advanced oxygen advantage with him as well, which is amazing. The, the oxygen advantage is just incredible. Lots of folk doing this in Australia at the moment. And this is about slowing down the breath. This is about um, changing your biochemistry, thinking about the breath on, on three dimensions. So you've got your biomechanics, so how you breathe, using the diaphragm, whether you're breathing through your nose or breathing through your mouth, if then this alters then the biochemistry. So that's the next sort of pillar. And then after that, then you're, you're sort of looking at the, how many times per minute you're breathing, how much air are you taking into your lungs? So your, your cadence, your flow or your volume of air. And all these three factors, when you put them all together, they should hopefully start to, to, to improve your health. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you, if you if you breathe too fast, you're offloading sometimes too much carbon dioxide. If you're breathing too shallow, you're getting rid of too much CO2, and this affects how the body uptakes oxygen. Mm-hmm. And if you're hyperventilating, and hyperventilating doesn't really look like what you think it looked like, you know, mm-hmm. people don't go around panting. Your hyperventilation looks a bit like this. If you watch my hand, yeah. Okay, so that actually doesn't look like hyperventilation. People say, well, I always breathe like that. That looks quite normal. Whereas in theory, we should be breathing about five to five and a half seconds in and about five and a half seconds out. And this is sort of agreed by spiritual health uh, doctors and, and, and professors and, and all, over the, all over the world. They've all agreed about 5.5 seconds is optimum for spiritual health. So this is like this. So, so this is five about five and a half seconds. So you're breathing in. Should be a natural pause at the bottom, and then you breathe in. So this is much slower. And we, as human beings, we don't breathe like that anymore. No. And there are hundreds of factors into why we don't breathe like that anymore, all the way from um, genetics breastfeeding all the way up to chronic stress and they all play a role 
in terms of how safe the animal feels, which can affect how much they hyperventilate. And when I say the animal, I mean human beings. Yeah. But it's interesting because it, when I think about now when I'm breathing, it's mine are like two or three seconds in and out. And it's just, you just, but it, it, for me, it, it, it connects me to the fact that I spoke about this with someone on the podcast last week about this fast pace that we live in, you know, this fast, everything's next day delivery, fast food, everything's so quick now, you know, to, to we're kind of becoming patient. So to take time to do that breath work takes patience and consistency. And I think sometimes it's, because we are living this fast-paced life that the breath is kind of mirroring that you know it's like think of a dog like I've got Willow here with me now like I watch them breathe all the time and they breathe properly you know I know they pants to, to let go of the heat and stuff like that but I just love watching animals breathe that's something I've been really interested in because it's like you know it's like people say how should you breathe and I think it's for me it's just being more conscious you know, you, you can't monitor your breath 24-7 the same as you can't monitor your thoughts. You have 70,000 thoughts a day. You can't monitor each one of them. But you can take time in your day to go, let me just check my breathing. You know, and it's it's um, it's um a big thing that I think it helps people to connect, doesn't it? It's the present moment as well. It does. And I think the thing is, that, like you said, everything's so fast-paced at the moment that, that people are finding it so difficult. I mean, these things, these phones are... Mm. a bit of a nuisance with these sort of seven second scrolling up and down um, and you're, you're witnessing kind of you know false environments that stimulate your biochemistry so sometimes you can be watching things that are releasing dopamine serotonin mm. and you, you're witnessing things sometimes that can even release adrenaline in the body so you might be looking at something that's quite pleasant on there this is happening to all of us including teenagers and children they're witnessing something that's quite pleasant and then the next minute they'll swipe up and they'll see something that's not very pleasant, a tsunami and cars and people being swept off a beach. But what they'll do is they'll gasp when they see it. So they'll, mm-hmm. and they'll hold their breath. Now, the body kind of has a, a habit of remembering these things. Mm-hmm. But also, when you do that, sometimes you can actually release a little bit of adrenaline. Unfortunately, that, that mechanism is to get us back to safety as animals. When, from a time when we were being chased by things that were yeah. trying to eat them. Mm. So that same mechanism, that same adrenaline release, we're getting now in our bedrooms and just sat in our cars, and it's got nowhere to go. We're not running to run it off or to fight off the animal or to flee for our lives. That adrenaline just runs through the body, and that is the origins, really, of ADHD. In, in, in human beings, not just in children, but in human beings in general. And in a recent study in America, 80% of children in a massive study that have ADHD, 80% of them are mouth breathers. Mm. They're snoring at night. And snoring is dysfunctional in human beings. I've been snoring um, the last, last few weeks. I had COVID when I got back from Australia and like Chris said, you you were snoring quite bad, and I was like, oh, I need to do what Kev does, put the tape on your mouth. <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah. I've up almost every night for mm. near as damn it, probably two years, and it was life-changing for me. Yeah. And it has been for so many others, because it just gets you out of the habit of breathing through your mouth at night, which is snoring a lot of the time, and not always. You know, some people just sleep with their mouths open, but you're drying your mouth out. So yeah. it starts to have um, other effects on the body. So you dry your airway, you're far more susceptible to sore throats. Mm. You're far more susceptible to having a blocked nose because you're not using it at night. You wake up in the morning feeling thirsty. Mm. You wake up in the middle of the night sometimes feeling mm. thirsty and sleeping with glasses and bottles of water next to yeah. your bed. And you can go ask yourself as an animal, when you're asleep, you shouldn't need to do that. There's enough water in your body when you go to sleep to sustain mm-hmm. you as an organism. Yeah. So why do you keep waking up drinking? Because you're drying well, the I, airway. I think some people would, because uh, I've I've done this before, where like sometimes if I am in an anxious state or I'm stressed or something's going on in my life, breathing through the mouth seems more safe because you feel like you can get more air into your mouth. Yeah. But I think as you, I remember you telling us this when we were with you on that day was. You know, think about your nose, how it's designed with the hers. It filters everything into your, it's designed that way. 
And I think, you know, we're not using it to its advantage of what's the nose there to do. The nose is to filter. You've got to blow your nose, obviously, for like, you know, you get bits of dust in there and things like that. But that's what it's there for. It's to filter the air in, into your into your body. For sure, yeah. The nose has maybe sort of 20 odd different functions in the body. It will switch from one nostril to the other. It's your first line of defense against anything that's airborne. And, you know, all mammals should be breathing through their nose unless they're going through labor. And even then, most of the time, you should be trying to breathe as much through the nose as possible. Uh, or you're in pain or you're evading a predator. You're trying to get away. Yeah. You're evading a predator. So really, we've just kind of picked up bad habits as humans in the last few hundred years. And the pace of life is much quicker. We do more talking now than ever. Mm. And talking is problematic which is why people at call centres and nurses... I remember you saying that, yeah, the call centres that is constantly on the phone, and I'm a big talker. <laughs> I talk a lot, but I think, so, like, since I've since I've been in New Zealand, I've wanted to talk less. <laughs> like, it just... I love doing the podcast, and I love talking to people, but sometimes I just want to sit in silence for the day. Well, this is it, and, you know, if, if, if people are watching this back now, if you watch... Over the next few minutes, you know, try and listen to what we're saying, but also listen to what happens when we talk and we get a lot of words out in each sentence and we talk for as long as possible and we keep on talking, keep yeah. on talking, talking, and then we do this. Mm. Okay, now the first time we did that was when we were born. The brain kind of knows that that's not a fear response, but it also doesn't know at the same time. So if you're gasping like this, hundreds of times per hour as part of your job if you're talking all day yeah. and you're gasping all the time you're also hyperventilating mm. by doing that so it's a bit like getting a workout yeah and everybody will kind of familiarize with this in, in terms of you can have a long conversation with with somebody on the phone a loved one or whatever it might even be a nice conversation but at the end of it after 40 minutes or an hour you feel wiped out yeah because you've been constantly talking and constantly uh, gasping and hyperventilating as part of that so we, we have to be able to like you said the most important thing with breath is to be able to to witness what's going on awareness is absolutely critical in terms of understanding understanding the connection between breath and physiology knowledge is power as well you know and the more we understand about why our body does certain things rather than reacting to it. Yeah, responding to it. Mm. The, the less anxious we'll be, you know. And but the, the thing is, Pepper, is that you can change your physiology, you can mm. change your biochemistry, you can alter the um, the sensitivity of your chemoreceptors in your body. Mm. So you've got central chemoreceptors in the brain, and you've got peripheral chemoreceptors in your body, in your heart, and all over your body. So you can change the flexibility of these chemoreceptors so that you breathe less or that your drive to breathe is less. Mm. But that takes practice. It's hard work. Ask it a is. Free diver mm. And they'll tell you that to do that, you have to give your body quite a lot of CO2. And the thing is, with CO2 makes you panic. Mm. Yeah. And there's been loads of scientific studies that CO2 is connected to your amygdala-driven fear response as an animal and that feeling that you get when you hold your breath that panicky feeling to take a breath your diaphragm will drop you you'll feel your neck close up your your your, your intercostal muscles will uh, contract you'll feel this panic to breathe but you can alter that so if you can alter your biochemistry in terms of how you drive to breathe as an animal can you change your anxiety can you change how anxious you feel in certain environments? The answer is, yeah, you can. So you, have you, you, you have the power to do that. And that's, I think, you, the key word for me is awareness. And that's what I try and do with my clients is awareness. Like, you know, I, I, I believe, like you mentioned, the word release is like, I mean, I don't think I use that a lot. To be honest, I, I say, you know, you're moving through something. Sure because you are moving through something but I you know for me exactly you know there's a, there's a big craze to release release trauma at the moment and you see it everywhere and I think people ask me about it because I've I have done a lot of work on on my trauma and what what makes me triggered and what brings anxiety in my life but the the self-awareness has been the biggest thing for me because I know that 
I I won't purposely put myself in a situation where I know I'm going to be triggered, for example. But how life goes is you will experience things that will ultimately trigger you, which makes you go into that panic, fight or flight, you know, the the anxiety. But one thing I'm really proud of myself for is that now I don't wallow in them for too long. You know, the anxiety doesn't stay around for too long. It's the reaction isn't as bad. Uh, you know, I, I respond a bit better. And I think that comes with self-awareness because I know I, I'm I know more about myself. And that's the self-awareness. I know more about me. I've got to know me. I've got to know what makes me tick, what what pisses me off, what does this, you know? So it and that's what I say to clients is you know, get to know yourself. And not just about what you like watching for TV and what you like eating and all this. It's the stuff that makes you fearful, like that scares you that that really annoys you, that grates on you, that, you know, that makes you fear, fearful of, of living. And then you start to take power back. And then the breath, for me, I, I think that's the word I probably felt when I was on the beach. I just felt powerful. I felt like I was in my power when I was breathing. And obviously I cried and we came out of it and I'm, and people are hugging me. And it's just the best thing. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps actually now thinking about it. Like when you come out of it, people are just in a, you come out of a breath work and you're probably doing it for about two or three minutes and it seems so long, but it's not uh, like, like short, but it seems longer and everyone's doing it with you. There's about a hundred people on the beach and you, you come out of it and everyone's just hugging each other and holding space for you and giving you love. And it, oh, it's just the best. It's just the best. It's the best feeling. Yeah, for sure. And it's quite powerful that you, you know, what you're saying there about self and getting to know self. And but I say this to people every day, you know, you've got to be able to to go inward. And the thing is, is that as human beings, we, innately, we we don't really want to go in. No. We don't really want to be quiet. We don't really want to be alone. We don't want and to be, we want to do. Yeah, 100%, yeah, and, and this, is, this is one of the problems all the time, because doing tends to give us dopamine, and as animals, we're, we're constantly jumping up and down with dopamine all the time, even that hug on the beach, and that, that presence that you feel after, after, after hyperventilating, it, it's kind of dopamine mm. rush that you get through co-regulation. When you do that on your own, it's very different. Yeah. If you're sat on your own, you're doing your breath work in a field in the middle of nowhere on your own. There's no co-regulation. It's just you. So does that cause different adaptation in the body? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so it's exactly the same with the cold. But sometimes when you go inward, sometimes when it's quiet and all you've got is you, there's no phone. There's just silence in you. It's ugly. It's not nice. And, and you know it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. And it's about making the uncomfortable comfortable. Yeah. This is why Wim Hof's doing this thing. This is why, you know, this craze is taking off. It's because we've been too comfortable for too long. But the, to, to, to be uncomfortable means that you have to sit with self. You have to sit with the things. You have to witness your shadow. And Carl Jung, you know, wrote about this. And mm -hmm. Um, witness your shadow, witness your narcissistic tendencies, and everybody has them. They do, that's what I'm saying. Like people, that word's been thrown around a lot too, is, oh, she's a narcissist, he's a narcissist. And, the, the, you know, I read a book that there is one in seven is, but actually we all have the tendencies. We all have a shadow, we all have a dark side, we all have a, a mean side, but it's, it's allowing it up to, like you said, it's sitting yourself in a mirror and saying, what are my faults and what are my things that I don't like about myself? And that isn't the true you, 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 you know, from a spiritual perspective, you are just pure love, you know, but you also have all this baggage of, of life, of childhood, of trauma, of abuse, of different things that actually make you who you are. And that is power because I think we try and suppress all that stuff. We suppress the shadow. We 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 don't want to speak to it. We don't want to see it. But when you do, it's the most powerful thing you can do because you start to think, well, I, there's nothing I don't know now. I'm seeing myself naked with shadow, everything, and now I can see myself for who I am. And I, it doesn't haunt you anymore. It doesn't sit there and niggle at you. And And that's why breath, I think, 
as I think I mentioned before when we before we started chatting about if I'm I'm very spiritual as you know but you know if you look at the Bible there's so much in the Bible about breath the breath of life the breath of God the breath of it's it's huge it's 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 been around since like you said it's it's not a new thing it's something we've all been through since the dawn of time sure absolutely um, but you, like I said the answers are found with, with self mm. and the minute they cut the cord you're on your own and regardless of who you marry regardless of the people that make you feel less vulnerable mm. people that make you feel safe in the life where your pets will all there mm. safety and we as human beings we, 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 want, we need to be safe as, as organisms we need mm. to be safe and co-regulation is part of that but Every now and again, you just need to you need to understand the self, you know, and, and who that is, you know, and that's where you're going to find most of the answers. Yeah, it's ugly, it's not nice. Look at yourself. You're envious, you know. Uh, you, you, we block people. Why do we block them? Why do we remove them? Why do we shake our heads at them? Why are we not happy with other people sometimes? Why do we feel envious towards other people? Check, check you. And I've done this. I've blocked people on Instagram. I've, because it's, I'm like, whoa, Kevin, that's you. That is you. Check yourself. You know, that's not them. You know, yeah. and then that's the most important thing. You have to learn these lessons about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you'll naturally, you'll start to feel yourself. You'll start to connect your mind back into your body rather than being severed. From your physiology and that's what's happening with the more and more technology and the more people that we get with we, we separate and, and we need to we need to be with self it's just so important that we do that and cold water is the same thing if you it's okay getting into big group sessions and everybody's puffing and panting and, and celebrating everybody's together and they say oh we've had an amazing experience it's fantastic you know what did you learn about yourself what, what, what happened in there? What, what did it show you? Mm-hmm. And the answer is that they don't know. And then or they go home, then they'll order a tank or a, a loomy tub or whatever it is that they're going to get. They'll go and get in the cold on their own and they'll step out. Although they, that's not the same. Why? It's because you're on your own. And, and, you, and the adaptation is different because it will deliver different messages when you're on your own. It'll offer different messages in a river to a lake, you know, for different messages in the dark. Go and get in the cold in the sea on the beach in New Zealand at three o'clock in the morning when there's nobody there. See how you feel then. And yeah. Exactly. Because it, even the thought of that is provoking to say no. Fear? Like, yeah, fear of, yeah. So your autonomic nervous system is even thinking safety straight away. Go and do it. What does it, what does it give to the body? If you read the book, Becoming the Iceman, Wim Hof explains that he went out in the middle of the night and jumped from a rock. that He knew where the river was underneath it, but he wanted to jump in the dark. So he jumped into a black hole, a void, knew the water was there. What what adaptation does that create? That's like the unknown, isn't it? That's that's jumping into the unknown and that is going into shadow, into darkness. It's And so many of us don't want to do that. And with you saying the doing the breath work with the hundred people on the beach that gives us a sense of safety because we are tribal you know that's our that's part of our our dna we're we were in tribes and it creates that sense of safety that we're, we're in a tribe and we're safe and it's quite funny as well when you want to talk about that i always sit in the middle so I'm, I'm at the front but i'm in the middle and you think about like animals and mammals that you know when they're in herds the outer are less safe and the inner are the more are the more safe. I mean, birds do it when they fly. They'll fly in a certain shape, and sure. we do the same. Of course, we do because we're organisms, and we're made up of billions, trillions of cells, just the same as the animals are. Uh, so we need to think of it at a scientific level. But you mentioned religion before. You know, Jesus. Mm. And I am not religious. I am not spiritual uh, and i know that lots of people are i will do spirituality if people want it and it's, it's amazing because it opens people up it's yeah. a fantastic thing but you know jesus the prophet muhammad moses the buddha it, these these people they, they disappeared into the woods and caves mm. and the mountains 
and they were gone for months or whatever, and they, they were gone for long periods of time on their own. Mm-hmm. And you know that they mastered the self. They realized exactly mm-hmm. what was going on in the body, in the mind, not on a scientific level in those days. They figured it out. Yeah. What the mind was doing. So when they came back, they seemed like divine creatures, like divine beings, because people had just never seen anybody so present. Mm-hmm. They weren't used to it. So when we write tales about them now, you know, in the Bible, etc., etc., so they just became really fully aware of presence. And and, and the thing is, is that we're never in it. We're never in presence. We're, we're always everywhere else. Sati Guru, you know, talks about this a lot. He said, "You're living a dream. You're living a, a fantasy. It doesn't exist. It's not real. Your car, you don't own one." It's on the drive, wherever you are now, but you don't own one, you can't see it, it just exists, mm. you know? And it's, what is this? I know, you know? yeah. It's not reality, you know? Um, yeah, that's, you can't live your life like that. Yeah, Eckhart Tolle, you know, he talks a lot about the power of now. Yeah. What is presence? It's this. There is nobody else. My wife's in the next room with my son, but they don't exist. I can't hear them, I can't see them, they're not real. And, and that is a very difficult concept for people to get their heads around. No. And it makes you, it's one of those moments, oh my God, it's like, how big is the universe? It's well, it's like you bra- sometimes your brain can't comprehend it, it's a, because we just can't, we can't fathom it. You know, it's like Chris, my husband now, he, he's into the unit, stars and astronomy and he has a, an amazing telescope and we always do it because we watch the Hubble field and, you know, how like that that's that small part of the universe that they looked into the james webb images came out recently and you just can't comprehend it but i think i think about like we're watching eckhart toll in them um, in march in auckland we can't wait to see him and wow. you know yoda. Like yoda. yeah like i think chris and i actually said we think he's nothing phases him we think like he's an enlightened soul because nothing phases him and i think you know because he, again he's mastered self and you know Nothing phases him because it hasn't happened. Yeah. He's, always, he's, he's, he's in the present. I know. More than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, if he was around 2,000 years ago, he would have been Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I know. And I think, you know, when, when we think of like, you know, parallel universes and parallel times and, you know, that, you know, from a spiritual aspect, they say, you know, all your past lives, they're all happening now. There is no, there's no past future it's all happening in, in a linear and I'm just you can't you can't comprehend it it just doesn't because it doesn't make logical sense to the brain and I think but that's why when I think when you do breath work it, something's happening in the body where you, the soul the soul and the 3d body this suit that you're in is having some sort of like dance and, and that's how I, that's how I see it is that you know your soul within you is 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 the self is the true self and you know your higher self and that as we call it in hypnosis the subconscious and i think there's something going on with the 3d self and the 5d self when you're doing breath work there's something like i said it's like a dance and that's how i that's how i envision it and it's a beautiful thing like you said it's happening it's happening together and that's a beautiful thing to see that that way absolutely yeah absolutely it's beautiful and you know it's a miracle it really is and and the thing is, is that with, with your breath, because of the organism's ability to remember, and, and this is why I say everybody should read The Body Keys to Scores. Mm. Like, it's amazing, really, how he's explained what the body holds on to. It has to. The organism has to remember. Mm. It's a given. If it didn't, none of us would be here. Yeah. And even with the, the very first life on Earth, the cells have to remember. They have to adapt and then remember so that they didn't do the same things that got them, the cells destroyed in the first place or under pressure of fright. So they'd adapt, evolve, adapt, evolve, and billions of years later, we have us from those same cells um, on, on Earth right at the very, very beginning. And the nature of the cell, even in the human body, is to survive. So we can only, you know, we can only put two and two together then in the fact that as human beings, the organism wants to survive. And how it does that is by storing things from the past that potentially threatened us. 
So your traumas, your PTSD, the things that you've witnessed, your abuse, etc., etc., the things that we do not want to visit again, the things that made us... Yeah, yeah. The things that made us go into fight or flight, that's why you still see your trauma. It's why you still see places. It's why you still smell what it was like in the room. It's why you still feel it. Even me talking about this to you, the listeners, it fires it into the brain. You see it, don't you? Yeah. And the reason you see it is because your nervous system won't allow you to unsee it. And people say that, you know, I've had EFT now and I don't see it the same anymore. Perfect. So you've been allowed to sort of reprocess it and the, the images are not quite the same. So it's giving you some kind of relief from it. If you go, if the animal goes back into that scenario or you, whatever it is, you may walk past a person in the street on the happiest day of your life. They may wear the same perfume or cologne or aftershave as the person who hurt you once. And it will just fire you straight back yeah. in. Mm. Because it, your, your body has the ability to get you back to safety. And Charles Darwin wrote about this in 1872. Mm. He said that the fundamental purpose of human emotions is to initiate movement mm. in the organism to get it back to safety. Yeah. Physical equilibrium, mm -hmm. which is the parasympathetic state. If you don't get back to parasympathetic state, you can't mate mm -hmm. and evolve. And spread your genetics so the whole thing is based on genetics mm. the whole thing is based on science i'm not bursting anybody's bubble with the spiritual stuff but the body well, there is is the science that interests me because chris is scientist and he has both aspects of science and spirituality and it's great to see both sides of it you know i get a lot of spiritual happiness from breath work and that's that makes me happy and that gives me a lot of joy but i also know scientifically something's happening in my body i can feel it you know and that's kind of again self becoming self-aware of the body too you know it's you know self-awareness with with thought and and your spirit your soul and things like that but you know becoming self-aware of your own body you know the feelings in your body like i said the, the latter end of last year I, I knew it was anxiety that was causing the heart flutters you know the the that like ball in the throat and then the the deep feeling in the tummy and I was like oh what's this feeling and I just you started to pick up on it and I was like okay it's anxiety and I know it is but part of my brain wanted to say it was something else you need to go to the doctor you need to go and figure out what this is but I just knew this is my body going into like a stress response sure and that yeah and it, it gives it gives me but it makes me feel not in, well in control it makes me feel in control of okay this is what it is and how can I help you know, how can I help myself in this and how can I respond to it and acknowledge it? That's a big word for me is acknowledging things because I think with breath as well is it brings up so much emotion on the scale of emotion. Sure. And like you said, you know, Abraham Hicks has the emotional scale and, you know, I, with clients who come to me who are angry because someone's wronged them or hurt them or sadness because they've lost a loved one, you know, I, you know, people try and suppress them because they don't like those emotions. They don't like those feelings. They don't produce good, good feelings in the body. But isn't that the key? You need to know, you need to know why were we given love and fear? Why were we given two latter things is because they're actually coexisting together because we need to know the difference between the two. As cruel as it is, but that is it spot on 100%. And from the minute you're born, in fact, even while you're in the womb, mm your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems are already working together. Like you said, love and fear, mm. hot and cold, the opposites mm. and are working with one another. As mm. soon as you're born, you come out, you gasp, you take a, a breath in, your lungs empty, <sighs> you gasp, mm. you take your first breath, you're cold and you're frightened. Mm. Okay. So the organism is frightened after nine months of safety. Yeah. What does your mother do? She picks you up. Yeah. Okay. So you go from mouth breathing and then you go, then you switch to nasal breathing. Why do you switch to nasal breathing? Safety, like calmness, like bringing the calmness. Yeah. Of course you do, but you're forced to breathe through your nose. Why are you forced to breathe through your nose? Nobody's ever answered it. Are you going to be the first one to answer it? Mm -hmm. Why are you forced to breathe through your nose as a baby? 
I think it's because that that's what we're meant to do. That it's a it's it that that question, Kev, makes me think. Uh, you know, it's the same concept, spirituality of what's growing your fingernails right now, what's growing your hair. There's a scientific behind it, but that's the same as nose breathing. How does the baby know know to breathe through the nose? Sure, but they're forced to breathe through the nose. And the reason they're forced to breathe through the nose is because we have to eat. And you can't eat and breathe through your nose, through your mouth at the same yeah. time. Mm. So, so basically, I'm trying to outline what's happening in the organism. Forget the human aspect. Mm. You come out, <laughs> sometimes yeah. you're crying, fight or flight. And then you come back here, shh, it's okay, it's okay. You warmth again, so you get, you get warmth of mother's skin mm -hmm. and you smell your mother. You also smell breast milk. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You eat. And what happens when you're eating? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're breathing through your nose. Mm -hmm. Your nervous system recognises then that nasal breathing is connected to safety mm -hmm. and nourishment. Your tummy's filling up at the same time. And then from then on, it uses that same system, but it uses it forever. Mm. They put you down in your crib. You're quiet, you're nourished, you're full. And then you wake up. Yeah. yeah. You feel vulnerable. Where is my caregiver? Mm. She's not there. You scream. You, you The emotions, 1872, Darwin, emotional response, tears, noise why because it worked last time because i got back to say yeah yeah oh she gets so eventually you cry cry baby it's okay Shh, i've got you mm. yeah those again and so on and so it's on repetitive so on. consistency as well and then what happens is we get older something happens it makes it go and switches it exactly that but you cannot remove the fundamental instinct of the animal to get back to safety and whilst you have that Certain things make us feel safer. Dopamine is one of them. Mm. Serotonin, oxytocin, mm. these chemicals, they make us feel safe. So the whole thing is kind of packaged. It's a, it's a bit of an unfortunate one, but in terms of your breathing, because the body keeps the score, if you lie on your back or if you sit up and you start to breathe in a certain way, i.e. the Wim Hof method, yeah. you have two more, uh, psychic hyperventilation, you start to breathe in a rapid way, in a, in a way that mimics hyperventilating or your traumas, your PTSD, it, it will take you back there. It doesn't want you to hyperventilate. It's like, whoa, Pepper, what are you doing? No, no, no. Why are you breathing lies? Why are you making your blood so alkaline? Why are you affecting biochemistry so much? What's the matter with you? Things you're dying. So it'll feed you some emotion from the past. And that's why. <laughs> yeah. You can't help because when you're emotional and you start crying, you have to start breathing mm. normally. It, it'll get you to do it, to stop doing it as many ways as it can, which is why when you see the Wim Hof program on telly, Gabby Logan, I think her name was, or Gabby Yorick, whatever she was, the, the presenter, she was hysterical crying because mm. she, she witnessed past, mm. emotional past. She might not have seen images, mm. but she felt it. Yeah. And what's to say that we're not each day living the emotional feelings and turmoil of our eight year old selves mm. from when our traumas were, or 12 year olds, or 15 year olds, mm. or 20 year olds traumas? That's how we might be feeling each day. Mm. So there is, you know, we can use regressive breath work and transformative mm. breath work, biodynamic breath work. To, to get the human body, the, the organism, to step back a little bit and regress by putting it under stress, putting it under pressure. And this allows us potentially to reprocess that moment that we were in in the past mm. from a very unique perspective as an older person mm. in a safe space rather than it being a frightened space, yeah. which is held by the facilitator. Mm. When you go and do a Wim Hof session or you go and hyperventilate mm. or do a, a holotropic breath session, they don't tell you that your body's your body's going to think that it's dying, so it's going to mm. make you feel as though you've left your body. Or you're going to become so hypoxic that you possibly might even pass out and your body will reset you to take a breath. They just say, come and release your trauma. Yeah. I think one of the most 
powerful meditations I do is is breath, like breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, or even six. You know, I've done different types, but when you do the breath, it seems to be very calming for clients. And I think that's probably one of the favorite ones. You know, like, for example, before we finish, Kev, is if you were to give someone listening the best breath work session to do, what would you get people to do if they could do it daily? I think, you know, I love the Wim Hof method. I think it's amazing, really. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's brought something to the to the forefront, or certainly his, I think his son has, you know, with this yeah. Wim Hof intervention to that, um, all the kind of money side of it. But bless him, you know, Wim just wanted to have, wants to help people. Yeah. And his message is, is that if you put your body under stress by using the breath, like you do on the beach, etc., it will cause the body to make adaptation. However, some people are in such a physical state of fight or flight already that they may find it very difficult to hyperventilate or do the Wim Hof method because it'll just make them too emotional or too frightened yeah. to be that hypoxic yeah. um, or, hypo, um, um, or hypocapnic, yeah. low CO2, low oxygen, okay? <clears throat> Which is why some, you know, a lot of my clients that I work with, they, they, they struggle to do the Wim Hof method if they're, if they're suffering with panic disorder or anxiety mm. and you know getting them to do that might actually make them worse yeah so, depends on know, the person yeah depends on the person it's not one size shoe fits all there's some yeah. people that have anxiety that this has been life-changing for the Wim Hof mm-hmm. method what I would say is is I would say investigate your own breath by by starting to breathe slowly yeah by, by, by starting to focus in on your own breath and try and connect your mind into your body. Feel how the inhale is different. The inhale is active. The exhale is, is passive when you're relaxed. They feel different. Yeah. Even if you listen to this now and you take a, a sharp breath in, you get sort of tingles mm. around your body. You get sort of, you can almost feel your vagus nerve sort of pins and needle a little bit as you There's an aftershock of that breath in your body. Whereas the exhale, it feels different in mm. the body. So nasal breathing feels very different to mouth breathing also. So study the breath. You know, Google what, what, what they do, what, what the difference is yeah. between an inhale and an exhale. But what I would say is that if certainly if you're in an anxious state, and you can try this now while you listen to the podcast, if you breathe in through your nose for four seconds and you exhale six seconds, okay, See how you feel when you get to six. Mm. Okay, so you breathe in for four. And then exhale for six. Or longer, or mm. shorter. Yeah? Yeah. You always feel relaxed at yeah. six. You always feel more relaxed at the end of your exhale. If you don't feel <clears throat> relaxation at the end of your exhale, ask yourself why. There may be something adrift. All you might feel at the end of your exhale is a real strong urge to breathe. If mm-hmm. that is the case, then your bolt score might not be really good. And it might be through an overactive or oversensitive chemoreceptors in your body. That mm-hmm. could indicate that you could be chronically hyperventilated in life. Mm-hmm. And signs of Chronic hyperventilation, are cold hands and feet all the time, dryness in the morning, um, co- um, sort of constantly drinking water all the way through the day, yawning and sighing all the time, early afternoons, fatigue. That's me. I'm always yawning. <laughs> so, yeah, so you've got to ask yourself, you know, why is that? Why am I constantly yawning and sighing or holding your breath is a sign, apnea is a sign that you could be overbreathing as a human being, as an organism. So sometimes we witness ourselves holding our breath when we open emails or the phone goes, we're holding our breath. Or sometimes we'll just be doing daily tasks or concentrating on doing something. Yeah. More. Crikey, I was holding my breath then. Mm. You realise if, if, you, if you notice that you're holding your breath through the day, it's a good possibility that you might be starting to hold your breath at night sometimes. Yeah. And that can be something that we call sleep apnea. Mm. Uh, sometimes that can wake you up, like you're having dreams that you're falling. 
or you're tripping up on something or crashing your car, you wake up on your breath. Okay? Another sign of, you know, hyperventilating, sometimes getting up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet. You know, why, why is that happening? Yeah. Sometimes that can be connected to too much mouth breathing because your, your body can't regulate your hormones properly yeah. whilst you're hyperventilating. So investigate it. There's, a, there's some amazing books out there, you know, Breath by James Nestor. Yeah. It's an incredible book. The Body Keeps the Score, Bessel van der Kolk, The Breathing Cure, Patrick McKeown. Just absolutely amazing books. I mean, literally anything that you wanted to read about respiratory health can be seen in the Oxygen Advantage, The Breathing Cure, Patrick McKeown. Just yeah. absolutely Bible for mm. breath work. Um, and so looking forward to training with them again in February. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Before we finish, I did want to ask you for personal, you know, uh, info is, you know, what about breath work with with birth? Because one thing I've been looking at is hypnobirthing. I don't know what, like, you know, that's obviously about breath. And is that something that you would think is is crucial to, to do for, for, for birthing? Well, say almost definitely it is. And if you look at the statistics of... Um, Emergency C-sections, you know, a lot of the time it's because babies, what they, you know, babies having difficulties. Yeah. Babies stressed, so and they've got monitors around your, around the outside of your tummy. Baby stress, meaning that the baby's heart rate's going up, and sometimes that can be caused by the mum who's hyperventilating. Yeah. And the thing is, is that with hyperventilation. It, it causes problems with how you uptake oxygen because of something called the Bohr effect yeah. in the body. So if you're offloading too much carbon dioxide, it kind of affects the relationship between oxygen and hemoglobin. So as oxygen comes into your into your lungs, it attaches to hemoglobin in your in your blood cells and your red blood cells. Mm -hmm. And if there's not enough carbon dioxide in the blood, this relationship kind of becomes dissociated. Yeah. So you end up having a shift, the wrong shift of, of an oxyhemoglobin dissociation curve. Okay, check out what that is, Google it. And oxygen doesn't really readily attach to hemoglobin then because of the lack of carbon dioxide. But of course, because babies getting oxygen through the umbilical, um, the umbilical cord, and baby's not getting any oxygen either. Mm -hmm. So if the mother hyperventilates, the baby's going to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So if the mother is breathing correctly, and she's breathing deep and she's been practicing throughout pregnancy, certainly third trimester, start to slow breathing down and say, never holding your breath. Yeah, Women yeah. Never hold their breath. Because yeah. Although hypoxic might be okay for you, might not be so clever for baby because we just don't know what conditions baby may have, etc. Yeah, okay? yeah. Don't hold your breath. Don't get into cold water either whilst you're pregnant. No. Third trimester, you may get away with third trimester. I wouldn't say ever get into sort of cold water, any sort of lower than sort of 15 degrees, but have a look, Google it. Yeah. If you can get in third trimester, first trimester, do not get into cold water. Okay. Because sometimes the body can yeah. walk. Okay. Yeah. Um, but in terms of breathing, slow your breathing down. Use your diaphragm, breathe deeply, and try and, you know, um, improve your biochemistry mm -hmm. by improving your biomechanics. Breathe through your nose. Yeah. Um, I know I mentioned mouth taping before, and my wife takes her mouth closed during the, all of pregnancy. She, she takes her mouth mm -hmm. closed um, at night. And, um, you know, she, she did amazing mm -hmm. during the birth. It was in a birth control. Uh, but I, I just can't underestimate how, how important it is. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Mm. Slow your breathing down, slow breathing, deep breathing. If you remember the words LSD, uh, long, slow, deep breaths. Yeah. That's the way forward, mm. controlled, uh, yeah. as much of those as possible. Yeah. Uh, because the nose obviously filters out everything. It compresses the air as it goes into the um, the alveoli, the small air sacs of the lungs. Yeah. It's nitric oxide down into your lungs which is a natural vasodilator so you get blood vessel dilation of the lungs this helps with gas exchange mm -hmm. but not only that if your body can cope with higher co2 levels and mm -hmm. um, it, it changes just so much in human mm -hmm. beings it really really does it improves your health dramatically yeah you know, you eat correctly. 
important. Yeah, I just, I could talk to you for ages, Kevin. I think we should come on another one just to kind of go into other things that I want to ask you, but running out of time. So I've just um, enjoyed learning more about it and I'm excited to do more breath work and I need to read that book, The Body Keeps the Score for sure. So I will definitely get you back on for a part two, I think, because I think there's a lot more we could talk about and there's so much to it. So um, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me on. You're Um, welcome. Let me know when you want to do another one. This one took a while, but... No, it's uh, fine. It's all divine timing. And I think I'll definitely put all your links on the show notes as well so people can find you and anyone who is local to me where where I was in in the uk you know go and see kev i'm sure my, my my one of my best friends came and saw you the other week steph and tom so they were with you the other week yeah oh, so, right, right. yeah, sure, yeah. yeah so yeah, you know if you are local just go and see him you know because it really help yeah thank you. i really appreciate that so humbly. thank you thanks kev and i'll speak to you soon and take care everyone i really hope you enjoyed this the episode i did and we'll be back for a part two shortly so take care guys If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.